Amen. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so we have been talking about the life of Jacob, and now we're going to pivot. Everybody say pivot. And we're going to pivot to one of the sons of Jacob named Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Do we have a Joe or Joseph in the room today? Anybody named Joe or Joseph in the room? Anybody? No? Okay, cool. I'd like to see if we have anybody named Joe or Joseph. Anyway, moving on. So, uh, as we've been talking about the life of Jacob, we noticed, just to give you a quick review, uh, last week Jacob wrestled with God, and he got to a point where he said, God, I submit to you, because you are God and I am man. I recognize that I want you to be in charge of my life. And so when he got to that place, he asked God to bless him, and God did bless him. So check this out, just so, if you want to read the story, you should, because it's a great story. But the next day he woke up, and he went to his brother, remember his brother Esau, who wanted to kill him. Because after 25 years of waiting and wondering whether his brother was going to kill him or not, or whether his brother still hated him, he finally encountered his brother. And when he met his brother Esau, rather than killing him, his brother Esau forgave him. Not because Jacob tricked him or anything, but because God was with him and was with the heart of Esau, and Esau forgave him, and they hugged, and they had this wonderful moment of reconciliation and forgiveness. Everybody go, aww. So brotherly love, they hugged each other, and they forgave each other, and they cried, so it's great. Anyway, if you want to read the story, you should totally check it out. But then, Jacob takes his new family, and they go to the land that God has promised to one day give to Jacob and his descendants, and they begin to have a new life. So the story begins to shift, and now it begins to talk about Jacob's family, Jacob's sons. Jacob has 11 sons, and there's a lot of friction and tension within the family because, if you remember, Jacob has more than one wife. Jacob has two wives. Now, this is not what God intended. This is not what God originally planned. Actually, God said, look, you're supposed to have one man and one woman. This is what marriage is. However, Jacob went against what God had as his original plan and disobeyed God in this way. But because he had two wives, this caused friction and tension in the home. And Jacob showed favoritism towards one of his sons, the youngest son named Joseph. Everybody again say Joseph. Now to give you a little background on Joseph, one of the reasons Joseph was the favorite is because he was the only child of Rachel, who was one of Joseph's, or was Joseph's favorite wife. Now, Joseph was the youngest, and who has, uh, who has siblings? If you have siblings, raise your hand. All right, cool. Put your hands down. Raise your hand now if you have ever had any fights with those siblings. Okay, basically everyone who has a sibling, raise their hand. Okay, cool. Great. So Joseph also had some tension and fights with his siblings, and those revolved around some tension that he had because Jacob showed favoritism towards his son, Joseph. And Jacob should not have done this. There should not be favoritism with parents towards their children. This is not right. However, he did this. On top of this, Jacob, or Joseph did not make things better for himself. Because he often sometimes would mention dreams that he had from the Lord. He had a dream. And in one of his dreams, he was sitting around the breakfast table and he mentioned this dream to his brothers. He said, hey guys, I had the weirdest dream. They're like, oh, what was the dream? Well, I had this dream. Uh, basically, in the dream, mom and dad 
and all of you brothers who are older than me, by the way, uh, all of you brothers uh, bow down to me, the youngest brother. It was the craziest thing. You bowed down and paid me respect and kind of like, you know, <laughs> bowed down before me, your ruler. It was a really great dream. Then I woke up. Hey, what's going on? I mean, how would you feel if, you know, your, your younger little brother said, I had a dream that you bowed down and paid me respect and I was your ruler. <laughs> imagine if I was your king. I'd be like, imagine if I wringed your neck. <laughs> I mean, I love you, son. Or, not son. <laughs> uh, brother. <laughs> love you, brother. <laughs> I mean, imagine that. Right? So they, they begin to have this resentment even grow more and more towards Joseph. On top of this, Joseph wore a coat of many colors that he wore around that his father had given him. Now, back then, if you had a coat or a, any kind of clothing that had a lot of colors in it, it meant that you had a lot of money or that it was very valuable because back then, to dye any kind of fabric a color was very expensive. So the dad basically gave him this coat. He's like, hey, here's a really expensive coat. Here, son, wear this gray jacket. But I'm going to give this other son this really expensive, nice coat, and I'm going to give all my other kids different things to wear. So he was showing favoritism again to Joseph. So this made the brothers even more angry. So one day, all the brothers except for Joseph, are out in the fields working hard. And Joseph is not out in the fields working hard. So again, they're angry, right? And Joseph is sent by the dad to go check on how hard the brothers are working. So this must have made them angry, right? Basically, the dad goes to the younger boy and goes, Hey, Joseph, go check and make sure your brothers are working hard. I mean, how angry would that make you feel if your younger brother is checking? Hey, are you guys working hard? I'm being so angry. So Joseph is going to check if they're working hard in the fields. And they see him coming from a distance. They can tell because he's got that coat of many colors. And as he's on on his way to check on them, they see him from a distance and they go, Man, I just cannot stand that brother. What if something were to just happen to him? And they begin to plot and to hatch a scheme to do something to him. Now, maybe you've hatched an evil scheme to do something to a sibling. Like, oh, I don't know, change their shampoo and put something like glue in it, or, you know, stick a piece of gum in your sister's hair. Or, I mean, my brother one time picked up a can of, uh, a can of corn and chased me around the kitchen threatening to throw it at me. And I was very scared because, I don't know why, but it was really scary because he can throw really hard. He's a pitcher in baseball. And Corn is scary. I don't know why, but it was like a can of corn. And I just remember this moment of thinking, that could break my eyeball. Like that, that, and I, I ran from a can of corn. i got to be honest with you, I ran from a can of corn. And it was like a scary scene from Veggie Tales. And I was just running, and it was from Costco. And I, I was afraid, okay? Just had to confess that. I don't know why. It <sighs> feels good to get it off my chest. Anyway, moving on. So for whatever reason, they hatched, actually for the reason they were frustrated and angry at him, they decided to kill their brother. Yeah, I know. Everybody go, bum, bum, bum. So they hatch this plan. So when he arrives to check on them, they grab him and they throw him into a pit to leave him there to die. However, as he's sitting in that pit to die, a caravan of merchants is going by on their way to Egypt. And one of the brothers goes, hey, you know, we could leave our brother there to die in a pit, which, I mean, I mean, we all hate him, and that'd be great. Or, or we could sell him into slavery, where he'd be miserable for the rest of his life and work as a slave, and we'd get some money. 
That'd be great, right? So what if we make him miserable for the rest of his life, and then he dies as a slave, and we get some money out of it? And they're like, that's a great idea. So they pull him out of the pit. They sell their own brother as a slave, and then they see him in chains taken to Egypt. Now, I know I, I made that as a joke, but I want you to think about how terrible it is to sell your own flesh and blood into slavery like that. And then they take his coat, they ripped up his coat, they dipped it into blood, they took it back to their own father. And then they said, Father, um, the son that you love, he died, he must have been eaten by wild animals because we found his coat. And their father wept. And as they watched their father wept, they held this lie deep within them. Imagine how Joseph must have felt being dragged away in chains, looking over his shoulder as his brothers counted the money that they got from selling their own brother. We'll come back to that story because the story with the brothers is not over. But I want us to pick up on what Jacob's, or Joseph's life is going to look like. So join with me here, chapter 39 in what Joseph's life is going to look like. Again, we're going to leave the brothers behind for a little bit. We're going to come back maybe a little bit to Jacob, but we're going to watch what happens and what God does in the life of Joseph. So, chapter 39, verse 1. Again, imagine this, though. You're far from your home. You've been sold into slavery in a distant land. You might not even speak the language. You have to learn this new language. And you go from being the favorite in your family, to being a slave in a new country. So, pick up here, chapter 39, verse 1. It says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. Uh, so he succeeded in everything he did as a servant in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of everything of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household, the property in the property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All of his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar uh, gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't have to worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Pause there for a second. So things start off in Joseph's life well, okay? He's the favored son. He's living a good life. And then he's attacked by his brothers and sold into slavery. And he's literally being auctioned off to the highest bidder. And he's sold to someone who was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. So he's sold to a high official in the Egyptian government. This man would have been in charge of basically the police or the officials who guard and keep safe Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. So basically, you know how we have the Secret Service who keep our president safe? These men would have been in charge of keeping Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, safe. So that's who Potiphar was. So he had a big role in the government. 
So Joseph was sold to this man. So he ends up in this house and he is a lowly servant. So he starts up high and he's sold into this lowly position. But the Bible tells us that Potiphar noticed there was something different about Joseph. Maybe it was the way that he worked. Maybe it was his attitude. Maybe it was his spirit. Something about him was different. And the Lord blessed him in everything that he did. Maybe if he worked in the yard, he did it well. Maybe if he was in the kitchen, he worked well. Everything he did, he did it well. So he got more and more responsibility to where eventually, after a while, Potiphar began to put him in charge of more and more things. Eventually, Potiphar's like, you know what? I want you to put you in charge of the entire house. You are in charge of all the other servants. You're in charge of all of my money. You're in charge of all of what happens here in my home. So now he's, again, being elevated to a high position of favor in the home. And this is a good thing. And Potiphar gets to a position where literally, when he gets home, he doesn't have to think about anything. He doesn't have to think about his finances. He doesn't have to think about anything. He is blessed. So much so, the Bible tells us, he only has to think about, what do I want to eat tonight? Imagine how great that would be. Somebody does all your homework. Somebody takes all your tests for you. Somebody does all your chores for you. And all you have to think about is, hmm, what kind of ice cream do I want to eat tonight? And how great would that be, right? You would think that person is so valuable to you that they did all your chores, all your work for you, and all you had to ask them is, what kind of food do I want you to prepare me tonight? That's all the responsibility that Potiphar had. So he greatly valued the input that Joseph had because God was with him. So it looks like things are going well for Joseph. However, there is going to be a challenge, a temptation that comes into Joseph's life that he's going to encounter. Now, as we're talking about this temptation, it's a bit of a mature topic, so I need you guys to be mature with me. Can you guys do that? Everybody just nod your heads. I'm going to be mature. Everybody say, I'm going to be mature. Great. Okay, have your word. So, moving on here. It says, Joseph was very handsome and a well-built young man. So, the Bible tells us that Joseph is a young guy. He's good-looking. He's well-built. And it tells us in verse 7, Uh, And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in this entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Pause there for a second. So, Jacob's a good-looking dude. He's well-built. You know, he's got the nice hair over to the side. He's got the biceps. Okay, so Jacob's a good-looking, smooth guy. He's in charge of the household. And somebody notices it, and it happens to be the wife of his boss, Potiphar's wife. We don't get her name, but it just tells us it's Potiphar's wife. And it is very likely that she was a very attractive woman, Because to be the wife of an official, he probably married someone who was very beautiful. Now, the temptation that she puts forward is a very straightforward temptation. She literally tells him, hey, I want to sleep with you. That is a very straightforward temptation. She says, I want to have sex with you. That is a very straightforward temptation. But notice what the response is of Joseph. Joseph says, no, I cannot do that. Potiphar has trusted me with so much. It would be disrespectful to Potiphar. But on top of that, notice this. He says it would be a sin, a great sin against God. Joseph is thousands of miles away. 
from his home. Joseph's family has abandoned him. Joseph should be furious at God. You'd think that Joseph would say, you know what, forget about God. Forget about his rules. Forget about what he wants. I'm going to do whatever I want, whatever feels good. But Joseph has not left his faith at his home. Joseph has carried with him his character. Joseph has carried with him his faith in God. Wherever he goes, he carries with him that character, that belief in God. And so as that temptation comes before him, he says, no, I'm not going to do that because I know that is a sin. It would be a sin against Potiphar, who's given me so much, and it would be a sin against God, most importantly. So he resists that temptation. Everybody go, well done, Joseph. Well done. Yeah, we can clap. Well done. Attaboy. Stop. Clap. Stop. Clap, stop. Clap, stop. Well done. All right, so check us out. However, that's not the end of the story. Unfortunately, the temptation continues. It says this, verse 10, keep reading with me. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. I want you to notice this. He kept out of her way as much as possible. You ever avoided somebody? You ever avoided somebody? Like you, you, like you see them in the hallway and you're like, right, never mind. And like you literally just are out of their way. Like you see them in the hallway and you're like, no, thank you. Or like they're at their locker next to you and you're like, like you literally do not want to see them, okay? Or maybe like you know your brother is super angry and you're just like hiding in your room like, I'm not going to the hallway, not going to the hallway. And then he goes to the bathroom and you're like, I'm making a break to the kitchen because I need some Fritos, okay? You're really, really, really trying to avoid someone, okay? But here's the deal. Notice what it is that he's avoiding. He is avoiding temptation. He is avoiding sin. He's saying, I don't want to get even near temptation. I don't even want to get near sin. I don't want to get close to it. And this is the opposite sometimes of what we do, though. This is the opposite sometimes of what we do. Sometimes we get close to sin. Sometimes we flirt with sin. We get close to the line with sin. Let me explain what this looks like, okay? Let's say you have a dog, and you give that dog a shock collar. You guys ever given your dog a shock collar? And you know how they have the electric fence that goes around, it's the invisible fence, and you give your dog the electric shock collar, and you're like, all right, Fido, now out there's an electric fence, okay? Be careful. And your dog has no idea what you're saying. He's just like, oh, bacon, 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 bacon. Probably just thinking that, okay? He has no idea what you're saying, okay? And then you release him into the wild, and he runs free into the wild, and he hits the electric fence, all right? Here's what he's realizing, okay? There's a line out there, okay, that I can't cross. There's a line out there, okay? Rather than, see, how far can I go without getting shocked? Why not just not go near the line. Why not just not go near the line? I can just stay right here where I know I'm good, okay? I can run around here and be fine. Why not just not go near the road where I know I'm going to get shocked, okay? But what happens is he's trying to get near the line. He's trying to get near the line. Or check this out. I've given this analogy before. Let's say you have a young kid, maybe an eight-year-old boy, okay? You have a little kid, eight-year-old boy, and there's a BB gun, okay? There's a BB gun, And a parent puts a BB gun on the table and says, all right, now, Timmy, 
Do not touch the BB gun. All right, Dad, I'm not going to touch the BB gun. No, no BB gun for me. <laughs> Timmy, no touch BB gun. You know Timmy. Timmy, no, Timmy, no BB gun. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to go in the family room and watch TV. So he goes in the family room, and it's in the kitchen. But Timmy just wants to see the BB gun. Okay, Timmy's, Timmy's not going to touch the BB gun. He just wants to see it. So he, he goes to the door of the kitchen. He just, he's just looking at it on the table. It's so shiny, and it's red. And now, now Timmy's just in the kitchen, but he's not touching the BB gun. He's just in the kitchen where it is, okay? But now he's just by the table, okay? He's just hovering over the table, okay? His spit saliva, he's just drooling on the BB gun, okay? It's not, he's not touching the BB gun, though. His, his spit's just dripping on the BB Okay, well, now he's just touching the BB gun, but he's not shooting anyone with the BB gun, okay? Now he's just loading it and pointing the gun at his sister, okay? He's just training it at his sister, okay? She's just braiding her Barbie's hair, but he's not actually shooting anyone with the BB. He's just sighting up the scopes, okay? He's just... Aiming softly. He's just stalking her quietly. Okay, and this is getting more and more dangerous, okay? Because what Timmy is doing is this. There's a line, okay, where he's disobeying his parents. And what Timmy is doing is rather than saying, you know what, I don't want to get anywhere near the line. Timmy is going to the line, okay, he's getting as close to the line as possible, and then he's trying to balance his way over the line as far as he can without falling over the line and doing what his parents told him not to. And here's the thing. We do the same thing with sin. We say, okay, I know I'm not supposed to cheat on this test, but what is cheating, really, right? Is cheating talking to the person that took the test the period before me and then at lunch being like, hey, so what's on the test, okay? And then, you know, writing down what's on the test. Is that really cheating, you know, or is it not? You know, is that really crossing the line or am I just on the edge? Is that cheating, right? Is it really bad, you know, to, to, to look up certain things on the Internet and not other things on the Internet that are inappropriate? Is it really bad to say certain words? Are those words bad words? In other words, not bad words? You know, is that a curse word? Is this not a curse word? And what we're doing is we're drawing a line and we're getting as close to the line as possible. We're saying, well, well am I really sinning? Is it really that bad? And so what we're doing is we're getting close to temptation. And we're getting right to that line. But here's what Joseph's doing. Joseph's saying, you know what? When I see temptation, rather than going up to temptation and getting into that line, I'm seeing temptation and going, nope, <laughs> I'm going this way. Oh, temptation, you're going to the bathroom? I'm not, I don't have to go anymore. Oh, temptation, you're getting a burrito? I don't need a burrito right now, I just need Chinese food. A temptation is going one way, I'm going the other way, okay? I don't want anything to do with temptation. I don't want any part to do with that. I am avoiding it at all costs, okay? Temptation and me, we ain't friends, okay? We and Instagram followers, okay? I don't follow you on Instagram. I blocked you, okay? It's nothing personal. Oh, wait, it is personal, okay? I don't want anything to do with you, okay? Check this out. The story goes further, though. The story goes further. Let's keep reading. It says here in verse, where is it? Verse 11, thank you. One day, however, no one was around when he came in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on and sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but left his cloak in, his hand, in her hand as he ran away from the house. Check this out. So nobody is around. He can't avoid her because he's got work to do. So he's like, oh, all right, I'm just going to go in and do my work and avoid her. And she goes up to him, grabs him by his cloak, and she says, Come and sleep with me. And he goes, No. And finally, she's being so aggressive, he just 
goes to walk away, and she literally rips off his outer cloak. So now he's in his undergarments, okay? And so he goes, this is bad, danger, danger. So he runs out of the house. He runs out of his house in his undergarments. He's in his underwear, okay? He's like, ah! He runs away in his underwear, okay? Sometimes to avoid temptation, you got to run in the street in your underwear to get away, okay? He's like, ah! He just runs out of the house to get away from temptation. He runs away. Because he's like, I am not going to be in this situation because this is a bad place to be. We're alone. This is not good. This is not good. Now, I do want you to understand, undergarments back then, undergarments now are a little bit different. But what I want you to understand is this, okay? What I want you to understand is this. Joseph was saying this. I do not want to fall into temptation. I don't want to sin. I want to be above reproach, so much so, that I will do whatever it takes to get out of this situation, to get away from temptation. I will run away from this. When you run from sin, when you run from temptation, you're running to God. And when you're running to God, you're running away from sin and temptation. You can't be pursuing God and pursuing evil at the same time. And you're not pursuing evil and pursuing God at the same time. You're going one direction. Okay? So, things are not going to go well for Joseph in this decision. In the long run, they will, but in the short term, they will not. We'll get into that later. But here's what I want us to practically look at. Here's what I want us to practically look at, okay? You might have to, and I might have to, we might have to, make decisions sometimes where we say, you know what? I'm not going to try to get as close to the line as possible. Rather, I'm going to pursue God. I'm not going to try and flirt with temptation. I'm going to try and avoid temptation altogether. Now, it's going to happen. I'm not telling you you're going to be able to avoid temptation altogether. Temptation is a part of life. But once you encounter it, remove yourself from the situation. Remove yourself. Don't, don't flirt with it. Don't keep it right in front of you. Let me explain what this looks like um, day to day, okay? And some of these are practical, and some of these are like, well, that doesn't apply to me. Well, maybe not yet, but maybe it will in the future, okay? Let's say you're on Instagram, and if you have an Instagram, and you're scrolling, and you're following an account, and you notice that account has inappropriate things on it. What you can do is you can do one of two things. You can see that it has inappropriate things. Actually, you can do one of three things. You can see it has inappropriate things, laugh, like it, and just be like, oh, I enjoy this. That's bad. Okay, that's, I feel like that's sinning. That's wrong. Okay. Or you can see that it has inappropriate things and be like, oh, well, I'm just going to ignore it. Okay, I'm just going to ignore it. But what you're really doing is, by ignoring it, you're, you're kind of being like Timmy with that BB gun. Well, I'm just in the kitchen. Right? I'm just, I'm just near these inappropriate memes. I'm just near these inappropriate jokes, right? But I'm not looking at them. But over time, you're going to get closer and closer to that. Maybe you're going to chuckle at them a little bit more. Maybe you're going to follow other accounts that are like that. What you need to do is just remove them all together. You know what you do? Go on there and be like, unfollow. Unfollow. Don't follow them anymore, right? Or just block the account. Or just, you know what? Be dramatic. Be crazy even if. If you have a real problem with this, looking at inappropriate things on Instagram, don't have an Instagram anymore. You're like, oh, no, but I love Instagram. All right, do you love God more? Yeah, okay, then get rid of Instagram. If it's really that big of a problem for you, get rid of Instagram. If you spend too much time on it, get rid of it. All right, well, check this one out. All right, let me give you another scenario. 
Uh, ladies, where are you at? If you can hear me, say yeah. Okay, ladies. If, let's say you're talking to a guy. Okay, let's say you're talking to a guy. First of all, ew. But second of all, let's say you're talking to a guy. All right. Let's say you're in a relationship with a guy. Let's say even just you're texting a guy and talking to a guy, okay? And let's say he's just, he just starts, like, taking the conversation in a weird direction. All right? And he's just like, hey, so, uh, <laughs> how you doing? You know? And he starts, like, hitting on you. You know what I'm saying? Starts, like, flirting with you a little bit. You know, like, hey, sugar dude. I mean, it's like, it's like this is like, weird. Like, I don't, I don't like where you're taking this conversation. Okay? Like, you're starting to flirt with me. I don't want any of that. What you should do is not just keep talking to the guy. Stop talking to the guy, okay? Stop talking to the guy. But here's the temptation. Ladies, let's be real. At a certain level, you enjoy, you enjoy the attention that that guy's giving you. You enjoy the attention that he's giving you. You like the way it makes you feel. And I understand that. And that is the temptation. There's a temptation that you like the way it feels when a guy shows you attention. You like the way it feels when you know that there's a guy in the world that cares about you, that likes you, and he'll tell you all these nice things. Don't fall in that temptation. And the best way to avoid that temptation is not to draw a line and try and get close to that line. Not to stick around to avoid it. And you don't have to be rude. I'm not telling you to be rude. Okay? Don't crush the poor guy. Okay? Don't make him be like, I'm never talking to a girl again. Okay? Don't crush the guy. Okay? Just avoid him. Okay, just avoid him. If you need to block him, if he's being inappropriate, okay, just tell dad, and that's the end of that, okay? <laughs> Trust me, okay? No more problems there, okay? No more problems there. Or just block the guy, okay? If anything inappropriate is taking place, okay? And let's, let's just get serious here for a second. If you're on social media and he starts being inappropriate with you, uh, just, again, let's get serious here for a second. If he starts being inappropriate with you, let's get real here. Uh, first, tell somebody. Okay, but secondly, don't, don't be like, oh, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. Be like, no, I'm getting out of this situation. I'm blocking you, okay? We're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to be pressured by this situation. I'm getting out of here. Okay, now this goes the other way for you gentlemen. Gentlemen, if you're in a relationship with a girl and she starts physically pressuring you in the relationship, and you're like, hey, like, we're drawing lines, like, physically, like, this is where we're going to be. And she starts pressuring you, get out of that relationship. Break up with that person. We need to draw physical boundaries, okay? We need to get real about those things. Let's, let's look at another way. Let's say you're at a party. You went over to a sleepover or a party. And things are happening at that party that are not appropriate. Leave. Leave. Don't stick around and be like, well, this isn't good. I, I'm not going to be a part of it, but I'm just going to go. Don't even go to the party in the first place if you know something inappropriate is going to happen. Don't be there because you might be tempted to it. By going to the party, you're drawing the line, and then you're being, well, I'm just going to go to the party, and I'm just going to be there, and I'm just going to, well, I know there's going to be bad stuff, but I'm, you're going to the party is go, drawing that line, and you're just tiptoeing to it. Don't even tiptoe to the line. Just avoid it altogether. Now, again, I know you're going to have temptations that hit you, but, but just remove yourself in certain situations so that you might not sin against God. Don't put yourself in situations where you might sin and fall. Let me give you a quick story about me in middle school. 
I was in sixth grade at a new school, and um, I got invited to a birthday party. It was a sleepover. I was super excited. Um, and not to sound weird or anything, but I was really excited because the kids that invited me were some of the popular kids. And I was like, oh, wow, I am, like, in. Like, this is so cool. Like, I've been, like, really wanting to hang with these kids. So I got invited um, with some of the guys, and so it was getting pretty late. We were watching a, uh, a movie, and they're like, hey, we're going to watch this movie. His parents are going to bed. It's an arty movie. And I'm like, cool, i got to call my parents. And they're like, <laughs> okay, guy, uh, yeah, call your parents. First of all, it was too late. Second of all, like, I'm like, yeah, okay, well, call my parents. <laughs> That'd be lame. And so we started watching the movie, and it was, like, totally inappropriate, like, a bunch of bad stuff going on. And I'm like, ah, this is bad, pillow. And so I'm like, you know, really know I shouldn't be watching this movie. And they start, like, slowing down inappropriate scenes. And so I, like, leave, and I'm like, like, knowing I'm not supposed to be there right now. And so the movie ends, and I have been, like, coming up with excuses to not be in there when the movie's going on. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, now I'm good. And after the movie was over, they start doing other inappropriate stuff, making inappropriate jokes, and then they pull up some inappropriate stuff on a laptop or a computer. And I'm like, that's it. Like, I cannot be here. Like, I don't want to be tiptoeing. I don't want to get pulled into this. Like, this is not a good environment to be in right now. So I'm not joking. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. I go in, I don't have a cell phone at this time. I go in, I pull the home phone of the house. I call my house. My dad answers the phone. He's like, no, 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 what do you want, what do you want? And I'm like, hey, dad, it's Barrett. And he goes, hey, Barrett, it's dad. I'm like, hey, dad, it's Barrett again. So um, I, 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 it's late. He goes, hey, Barrett, I know it's late. And we're like talking, and he's like trying to wake up. And I'm like, hey, dad, and I, I tell him everything. I'm like, hey, can you come get me? And he goes, Barrett, I am so glad you called. I'll be right there. I thought he'd be angry. He wasn't angry at all. He was so glad I called. He picked me up. I peaced out. And I wish I could tell you that, like, hey, nobody was angry. Or, like, you know, I didn't get made fun of. No, I, I got made fun of a little bit. The guys were like, yo, where are you going? I'm like, oh, yeah, I just. <sighs> so this isn't really for me. And I just got up. And they're like, what? And so I got made fun of a little bit. And um, I lost a little bit of those friendships. But I'll tell you this. I also made some other friendships with some other people. And I have one of the kids from that sleepover later tell me, you know what, I wish I had left. I wish I had left. And we actually became good friends. His name was Alex Mortimer. We became good friends after that. Because I, I didn't want to just get close to that line. I just wanted to remove myself from the situation altogether. Guys, sometimes we have to do drastic things to avoid sin, to avoid temptation, to, to get away from those things to run from those things, to avoid them altogether. Now, we're not going to be able to avoid temptation altogether. I get that. But here's the thing. What we shouldn't do is flirt with, get close to, cuddle up to dangerous situations or dangerous sins. Don't try and get close to these things. Get away from them. Get away from them. And even as I'm talking now, whatever situation is relating to you, you're thinking about it, and you know the situation. You know the sin. You know the situation that relates to you, whatever it is. If you know something makes you angry, avoid that situation or avoid that conversation. If you know some situation, just avoid it altogether. All right? God wants us to pursue Him, to pursue righteousness, to pursue godliness. Pursue those things and avoid sin. Let me end with this, okay? When you get into a class, if you ask the question, 
how can I get the closest grade to failing without actually failing? You're more likely to fail that class than if you rather ask this question. How can I get the closest to a perfect score? You're more likely to pass the class if you ask that question and you work hard to try and get a perfect score rather than if you say, I'm going to work hard to try and barely pass the class. Why then is it, if you're a Christian, would you say, I'm going to try as hard as I can to barely, barely, barely not sin? Why is it then, would you not ask this question? I'm going to try my hardest to do the exact thing that God wants me to do, to do the righteous thing, to do the holy thing to the thing that honors God the most. I want to pursue God and be next to Him rather than be next to this line and try and tiptoe over this line between sin and righteous. I want to pursue God and run after Him and not be tiptoeing over a line between sin and not. Pursue God. Pursue righteousness and run after Him. Have the character of Joseph. Let's pray. Father God, pray that we would have the character of Joseph and follow hard after you, Lord, in every situation. We love you, God, and I pray that we would avoid temptation and avoid sin. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.